I've been called a lot worse. <laughs> Amen. Well, I am glad to be here tonight. I know you, should, you probably heard that a lot all the time, but I really am glad to be here tonight. I mean, New Year's Eve, 2023. We're about to go into 2024. Who could have ever thunk it? Where did the time go, right? Hey, if you're, here, if you're happy to be here tonight, can I get an amen? amen? I knew it. I knew it, Pastor Mitchell. And I just come up here from Alabama, lived down there for five years. And down in the south, they say all the time that the people in the north don't know how to say amen. I just proved them wrong. I knew it. Amen. We're going to be in Jeremiah chapter 6 tonight. Jeremiah chapter 6, New Year's Eve. I got to thinking when Pastor Mitchell asked me to, to preach on New Year's Eve, and I got to thinking, I didn't grow up in church. Didn't go to church, wasn't saved, didn't come from a Christian home. You know, we were lost. We did what lost people do. And uh, I didn't get saved till I was 38 years old. Almost 39 years old, I joined the military at the age of 22 because at the age of 18, I got into drunkenness and sin. And by the age of 22, I don't even know how I was still alive. Only by the grace of God that he let me live. And so I thought maybe joining the Air Force would put a little stability into my life. That way I could kind of maybe get grounded and get, do something, right? But I found out that in the military, they were kind of conducive to the same lifestyle, the drunkenness, the partying, and those types of things. So that just kind of went hand in hand with what I was used to. Got married, and we left, and spent, I spent 20 years in the Air Force, and I was in the Air Force for 16 years before I got saved. Four years prior to that, a friend of my wife's asked us to go to a Baptist church, Southern Baptist but I was kind of like, okay, why not, right? And so we started going to church, but, you know, we, myself particularly, I wasn't willing to give up my lifestyle. I didn't want to change anything. I was good. I thought I was a good enough person that I would get to heaven. You know, the, the, the balance scale, you know, my good works here, my bad works there. I, I was still a pretty good person. I would make it to heaven. I didn't know any better, right? But I was, uh, I was 38 years old. We had been going to a Baptist church for four years. In August of 2014, the Lord brought me to a crossroad. And I believe that night would have been, that was it. In August of 2014, I, I called on the Lord to save me. He changed me. He made me a new creature that day. And the most miraculous thing happened. He took all that drinking away from me. I, didn't, I said I would never quit doing that. I would always do it, but I didn't even have an opportunity to quit. He just, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. He made me a new creature that day, and shortly after that, I, I, I was looking at the church we were in, and I'm like, this can't be true. This can't be truth. This can't be it. And so I began to, to say this. I said, Lord, show me truth. And you know what he did? He showed me truth. He sent me to South Korea via the Air Force, and he sent me to South Korea, and I thought, Lord, truth in South Korea, if you don't know much about the military, usually South Korea is a one-year solo tour, and basically everybody goes there to party. But what I didn't know was that Dave Lewis, who was a missionary out of Madison Baptist Church, 
who you all support here as well, just moved his church down from Seoul, South Korea, to right outside the Air Force gate there at Osan Air Force Base, just so we could go to church there. That was our first independent Baptist church. After that, everything changed. And you know, we were there probably for about six months, and do you know that somebody from Fairhaven Baptist Church came over there? Brother Betrell. That's how I got to Fairhaven. You say you grew up here. I did. Didn't know, didn't know anything really about Fairhaven. But God used so many things and directed so many people that he sent Brother Betrell to South Korea to tell me about Fairhaven. And when we came back, and that was, let's see, 2016, we came back and I got his, he gave me his number and we came over here and checked everything out. You know, he showed us everything, showed us around. And then uh, shortly after that, the Lord called me to preach in 2018. So I got out of the military and we moved to Alabama. And, but ever since then, we, be, we come home, we visit, we come here. Amen. Come here. And so here we are today. Jeremiah chapter 6 tonight. We know Jeremiah is known as the weeping prophet. He's weeping over the sins of Judah. Basically, Judah has become wicked. They have become abominable. They are loving their sin. They've rejected the Lord. They've rejected the, uh, the one true God. And as I'm reading all through Jeremiah, I see a lot of similarities with our country today and with Judah right before their, their, their destruction. Right? I see that. But here as we come into chapter 6, God actually lays out what's going to happen. There's, there's a, a great army coming from the north. Babylon is coming. And he tells them that they are going to destroy you. Right? They are going to destroy you unless. Hey, if you would only repent, if you would only turn from your wickedness, if you would only come back to me, I will hold off judgment. All you have to do is turn back to me. But over and over and over, they reject him. They rejected him, and we know what happens after that. I'm going to start reading here in verse 15. In verse 15, Jeremiah 6, 15. It says, Were they ashamed when they had committed abomination? Nay, they were not at all ashamed, neither could they blush. Sounds like our, our country today, doesn't it? We shake our fists at God. Therefore they shall fall among them that fall. At the time that I visit them, they shall be cast down, saith the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, Stand ye in the ways and see, and ask for the old paths. Where is the good way? And walk therein, and ye shall find rest for your souls. But they said, We will not walk therein. Also I set watchmen over you, saying, Hearken to the sound of the trumpet. But they said, We will not hearken. Therefore hear ye nations, and know, O congregation, what is among them. Hear, O earth, behold, I will bring evil upon this people, even the fruit of their thoughts, because they have not hearkened unto my words, nor to my law, but rejected it. I'm going to preach a message tonight out of verse 16 entitled, 2024, the old paths are still the best ways. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. Lord, I am so thankful for this opportunity you have given me. 
And Lord, I am so grateful for it. I'm grateful for the church, Lord. And, and I just ask now that you use me in a mighty way. I pray, Lord, that you fill me with your spirit. And Lord, I pray that you do what only you can do, and that is to t- uh, speak to hearts. And Lord, I pray there's somebody here today that's never been born again. Lord, there might be one, there might be two here, there might be somebody over the internet, Lord. But I pray, Lord, that you convict their heart of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment, Lord. And that today will be their day of salvation. 2024 will start a new day and a new life for them. And give you all the glory and honor that's done here tonight. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I believe we live in the greatest nation ever, the United States of America, the land of the free and the home of the brave. I am thankful that I was born here. I'm thankful that I am a citizen of this country, and I am so thankful that I had the opportunity, the privilege, to serve in the United States Air Force for 20 years, two months, and 22 days, but I wasn't counting. Wasn't counting, okay? The freedoms that we enjoy here are unlike any other place in the world. The freedoms that we have here, you can't find those anywhere else in the world. But the truth is, as we look at our country today, our country is not as great as it once was. Our country is not as prestigious as it once was. Really, we're but a remnant of what we once were. As we look around, we see there's, there's problems all across America. And if I was to go around the, the congregation tonight and ask you, what is the main problem in America today? We could probably come up with hundreds of different problems, right? But can I tell you tonight that the one main problem in America tonight is not the fact that we live in a communist nation. Okay, our government does not control everything that we do yet. The one main problem in America, it's not the people in the White House. Although you may want to debate that, it's not. The one main problem in this country is not the fact that sin rules and reigns in this country, and it's not even the fact that the economy has gone sky high. Let me tell you, the one main problem in America today is the same problem that Jeremiah was facing back in Judah. We in America have rejected the Lord Jesus Christ. We've kicked him out of our government. We've kicked him out of our schools. We've kicked him out of our homes. We've kicked him out of the church. And yet something happens, something bad happens, and we're like, where was God in all of that? Where was God? Well, remember, you're the one that kicked him out. And if I could just go one step further tonight, we are in the mess we are in in this country today because the Christians in this country are not doing what we're supposed to be doing. The commands are there. They're there all throughout the word. Commands like, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. But yet these days, people in churches will preach anything and everything but the gospel. The Bible tells us we're to be Uh, live different than the world. We're to be separate than the world. We're to come out from the world. We're to be holy because it is written, be holy, for I am holy. You know, in this country alone, since 1973, the Roe v. Wade, we've murdered by way of abortion over one million babies per year, over, since 1973. That's my whole lifetime. 
That's all somebody like me knows and many of you as well. Over one million babies per year. What should be the safest place for a baby? The mother's womb is actually the most deadly in America. Again, again the commands are there. Second Chronicles 7.14 If my people, which are called by my name, who is he talking to? The Christians. He's talking to us. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves. Oh, we got to stop right there. We got to stop right there. I can't humble myself. I'm so full of pride. Christians, lost people, Americans, the land of the free, home of the brave. Right? We're so full of pride, we can't go any further in the verse. But if you could humble yourself, there's a lot more there that we can learn. There's a lot more blessings there we can see. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive them their sin and will heal their land. The promises are there, but you got to go through the whole verse. You see, what we need to do is to turn from our wickedness. We need to turn back to Christ. We need to turn to Christ. He is the answer, period. Hey, I'm with you. Donald Trump did great things when he was president. But Trump's not the answer in 2024. Jesus Christ is the answer, period. He's the answer physically, spiritually, economically. He is just the answer, period. And we don't need some latest gimmick, some newfound religion, and we sure don't need another self-esteem preaching church. All we need are the old past. He tells them, just get back to the old past. In verse 16, he says, Thus saith the Lord, Stand ye in the ways and see and ask for the old past. Where is the good way and walk therein? And ye shall find rest for your souls. 2024. 2024, the old paths are still the best way. So tonight I just want to give you a few thoughts on the old paths. What I think about, when I think about the old paths, number one, I think about the King James Bible. The King James Bible is the very foundation for everything in this Christian world, in this Christian life. And I hate to bust your bubble tonight, but no, it's not TikTok. It's not Snapchat, and it's not Twitter, and it's not Facebook. Who really cares how many followers you have? There's no truth in that. There's no foundation to build your Christian life on. The Bible is true. Jeremiah, John 17, 17 says, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. You see, we must have the truth. We must have the inerrant, infallible word of God. Or we have nothing that will provide a solid foundation. You see, 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God. And it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. You see, all scripture means right here, 66 books, Genesis through Revelation, and every bit of it is true. Nothing needs to be added. Nothing needs to be subtracted. It's all there. It's all there, and it's all true. All scripture and what God did was he breathed out his word. He literally breathed out his word. That's what it means by given by inspiration of God. He breathed out his word kind of in the same, same sense as 
he breathed the, the breath of life into man. Right? God literally breathed out his word and he promised that he would preserve his word for us. That's what we have here today. The preserved word of God. God literally breathed it out. He preserved it for us today. The English-speaking people preserved in the King James Bible. Psalm 12, 6 and 7 says, The words of the Lord are pure words. As silver tried in the furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation and forever. God said he would preserve his word forever. So today there's got to be a preserved word somewhere because he promised it. Right here you go. King James Bible, 66 books. Psalm 119.89, forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Psalm 119.160, thy word is true from the beginning, and every one of thy righteous judgments endureth forever. Listen, all I'm saying is the old path's foundation is the very word of God. It's all true. You can go out those doors and you can look for truth in this world and you'll never find it. I know because I've been there. I've done it. And there's people going all over the place tonight. New Year's Eve celebration. Trying to find truth. They're not going to find it. It's right here. God has given us the truth. Right here in the King James Bible. If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? So let me ask you. What have you built your foundation upon? Is it TikTok? Is it ESPN? Is it the stock market? I mean, is, is it the cell phone? Cell phone? How much time is you spend on the cell phone? We, right, we learned about that in Sunday school, right? But it's easy. Oh, I'm just going to check the news. You check the news, and the next thing you know, you're scrolling the sports. Then you're, oh, let me check this. Oh, then next thing you know, six hours, eight hours. There's no foundation in there. What have you built your foundation on? Is your foundation built on the Word of God? Is it built on the King James Bible? Let me ask you this. Do you stand on the King James Bible? You know, uh, if you're not willing to take a strong stand on the Bible, what will you stand on? What will you stand on? You know the saying, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. You see, all over this country today, there is a problem in the independent, fundamental Baptist churches. They're all breaking up the, not all, some of them are breaking up the foundations. They're turning away from the truth. They're turning away from the King James Bible. Independent, fundamental Baptist churches going away from the truth of the King James Bible. How can this be? I don't understand it. Do you? I don't understand it. But here's where it usually starts. Hey, I listened to somebody. I listened to this guy on the internet. He got me thinking. Going down that rabbit trail. Hey, I read a book once. And it got me thinking. Remember, Eve listened to the devil in the garden. Remember, the devil comes to Eve and, and says, Yea, hath God said... Remember that? Yea, hath God said, casting just a little bit of doubt on the word of God, just tweaking it just a little bit, just, just a little tweak. Yea, hath God said. Yea, hath God said. Hey, when it comes to the King James Bible, where are you? 
Do you find yourself questioning? Yea, hath God said? Are you settled? Are you wavering? Do you have any convictions about the King James Bible? You know, it's been preached and said here, this is a blood-bought book. It's a blood-bought book, but do you even know what that means? Do you know what it means to be a blood-bought book? Right? God said he would preserve his word for us today, but along the way of that preservation, many people were, were murdered. Many people were martyred. Many people were, were sawn asunder. Many people were burned at the stake just so we can have the word of God. And it amazes me today, because we live in America, right? We probably have four or five or even more Bibles But yet, a lot of times, we disrespect our Bibles, we throw them around, we leave them here, we leave them there, right? Sunday after church, in uh, any given church, you walk around and there's Bibles left, left in the pews, left everywhere, and they sit there Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Oh, yeah, I forgot my Bible was there. Let me ask you, do you have any convictions on the King James Bible? Do you know why you read the King James Bible? Young people, do you know why? If you just say, it's because my parents told me so, if you just say, because the church said so, that's not good enough. Somebody's going to come along and easily persuade you elsewhere, otherwise. You see, since the year 1900, there's been well over 100 new translations of the English Bible. Most of these use the uh, dynamic equivalency, which changes words, which you know what happens when you change words. You change, me- you change meanings. Why do they do this? They don't like what the King James Bible says. They don't want to obey what the King James Bible says, so they want to change it. But here in this King James Bible right here, in Matthew 4, 4, it says, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. I want a Bible that has every word of God written in it. I don't know about you, but I do. right? But these people, they want to use a flawed, ball, a flawed Bible. They want to use a Bible that's missing words from it. And then they'll say something like this. I just don't understand the Bible. I just don't understand it. Well, either you do not read it or you're not saved. It's one or the other. Hey, if you do not read it, there's no way in the world you're going to understand it. You must read it. God wrote the book for believers. And besides, if you are saved, you've got the Holy Spirit of God living in you. When you got born again, that Holy Spirit of God indwelt you, and you have the author of Scripture living in you, he's going to teach you. He is going to teach you. Oh, I know what you're thinking now. Yeah, preacher, but man wrote the book, right? Yeah, God did use some 40 men over a period of 1,600 years to give us the Bible. 2 Peter 1.20 says, Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. You see, God used men who were filled with the Holy Ghost, and he ensured that that hand of that man, by the help of the Holy Ghost, wrote down exactly what God had already written down in heaven. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. You could be here tonight, you can deny it. You can reject it, 
you can refuse to read it, and you can refuse to live by it, but one day we're all going to be judged by this book. We're going to be judged by God's word. It doesn't matter what I think. If you would, turn over to John chapter 5. John chapter 5. And while you're doing that, I'll tell you a story. Like I said, when I got saved, we was in a Southern Baptist church. Shortly after that, we went to Korea. And Dave Lewis, uh, we went to his church. Didn't know it was an independent Baptist church. Didn't know anything about that. But when we walked in that first day, I'm going to tell you, everything was different. Right? They looked different. They were dressed different. They acted different. They talked different. I'm like, where are we at? you right? But they welcomed us in. Right? We looked different to them. We didn't even have a right Bible. Right? But they didn't reject us. They brought us in. They loved on us. In just a couple of months, a couple of weeks, I don't know how long it was, but Brother Lewis sat down with me. So here I am. I'm 40 years old. I just turned 40 years old. I'm 40 years old, and he sat down with me, and he showed me why they used the King James Bible. And he started going through these verses, and he'd show me the verses in the King James Bible, and he'd show me the verses in my Bible that I had, right? And they were different. The blood of Jesus Christ was removed. The deity of Christ was removed. A lot of verses, the Holy Spirit was removed. All these verses were different. They, dumped, they downplayed everything. And I was like, wow, that's... that's uh, Different. But then he really got me whenever he started showing me verses that were in his Bible that weren't even in the Bible that I had. Passages. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. Those types of passages were gone. Right? At that time, I remember I felt so deceived. I felt so lied to. Because no one had ever told me what I've shared with you today or, or even what he was telling me that day or even showed me from the scriptures. But I felt so deceived and so lied to, and I was just like, I can't believe this, right? Because I know a lot of people who are using the flawed Bible. It wasn't just me. But all over the world there are. But it was easy for me. Once I saw it, I got rid of that, got me a King James Bible, and here we go, right? And look at verse 39 there in John chapter 5. Verse 39, it says, Search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. Here you go. And they are they which testify of me. You see, the scriptures are always going to testify of Jesus Christ. A real Bible is always going to exalt, uplift the Lord Jesus Christ. It's never going to attack his deity. It's never going to attack the blood. It's never going to attack the resurrection or any of the other doctrines of the Bible. Psalm 119, 128. Therefore, I esteem all thy precepts concerning all things to be right. And I hate every false way. And I hate every false way. Do you? We got to move on. Number two, when I think of the old past, I also think about the blood of Jesus Christ. See, this just keeps getting better. I'm just getting warmed up. If you would, turn over to 1 Peter chapter 1. The old paths are still the best ways. 1 Peter chapter 1, the blood of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Verse 18 and 19. 
1 Peter 1, verse 18 says, For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold, from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, verse 19, but with the precious blood of Christ. Think about that for a second. But with the precious blood of Christ. Do we think about that very often? We've been redeemed by the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. And that word redeemed, it means to be set free. It means to be set free to deliver by paying some ransom. Jesus Christ set me free. He paid my ransom. I'm redeemed by something far more valuable than money or silver or gold, all those things. What happens to those things? They lose their value. They burn up. They corrode and they're no good anymore. But the precious blood of Jesus Christ, that's incorruptible. There's over eight, what is it, uh, eight billion people in the world today, right now. Jesus Christ's blood was shed for every single one of those. That's not even to mention all the people before, all the people that are up until the time he comes back and it's the end. But his blood, the precious blood of Jesus Christ. You see, when, when Christ died on the cross for our sin, he paid that price that satisfied the demands of the Father. Money can't buy it. You cannot buy your way into heaven. That's why you can't, you can't be good enough. You can't buy it. It's only through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And that's it. Hebrews 9.22 And almost all things are by the law purged with blood. And without shedding of the blood is no remission. No remission. It's only in the shed blood of Jesus Christ. You see, when, God, when, when Jesus died on that cross, he shed his blood, and it was the very life of God poured out for you and me. And what I'm trying to say is that the blood of Jesus Christ was not Joseph's blood. It was not Mary's blood. It was the blood of God poured out, shed, for you and me to be redeemed. All mankind. Our salvation was not purchased with money, but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Colossians 1.14, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sin. All over the world today, there's people who think they can get their sins washed away in the baptistry. They think that being baptized is going to take them to heaven. They think that getting baptized is going to clean them, make them whole, give them a a, a spot in heaven. And that's not true. It's only in the blood. 1 John 1, 7, And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanseth us from all sin. Jesus Christ redeemed us by His precious blood. Moving on, number three. When I think of the old past... I think about the King James Bible. I think about the blood of Jesus Christ. And I also think, number three, about being born again. Being born again, you see, the old past, they call for a man to be born again. I'm not talking about some experience you had. I'm not even talking about some vision 
that you think you saw. I'm talking about what Jesus talked about in, in John chapter 3. He said, you must be born again. You see, we know the story in John, there, in John chapter 3. Nicodemus, who is a, a, a religious man, he's a man who should have known the way to heaven, a rich man, but he comes to Jesus and begins talking with Jesus, and Jesus just cuts straight to the heart. He says, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Not only are you not going to heaven, but you're not even going to see it. Jesus here speaking of the new birth, being born again. That word again means born anew from above. Being born of God, being born spiritually, and being religious isn't going to cut it. Being moral, being good, does not make you or I fit for the kingdom of God. You must be born again. You must. You see, there's, there, there must be a day when you were born physically. That's all of us here. We were all born into this world physically, right? You're here? Yeah, amen. But there also must be a day when we're born spiritually. And he's ta- that's what he's talking about here, being born again. But dear friend, if you've only been born once, then you will die twice. Revelation 20, 14 and 15. And death and hell are cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. You must be born again. Born of the flesh. Born of the spirit. Born of God. John 1.12 But as many as received him, but as many as received him, to them gave you power to become the sons of God even to them that believe on his name. You see, no amount of education, no amount of religion, no amount of good works, and obviously no money is going to get you to heaven. We have the rich man in Luke chapter 16. He was rich. The Bible says that he died, and in hell he lift up his eyes being in torment. He lift up his eyes being in torment. You see, he didn't go to purgatory because there's no such thing as purgatory. It's a lie of the devil. Right? He lift up his eyes being in torment. You see, death wasn't the end either. He didn't die and go in the grave and cease to exist. He still existed. And if we were to read the passage, you would see he thought, he could taste, he could remember. He had all of those senses still with him. But see, people think now, as they always have, that you could be good enough to get to heaven. Ah, there's some stroke of goodness to me. But the Bible says in Isaiah 64, 6, that all of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. God said, everything that I think is good about me, it's filthy rags. It's not going to get you to heaven. Well, why is that? Because we've all sinned. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. None of us are worthy of heaven. If we were worthy of heaven, why would God send his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross? He paid it all. His blood, his shed blood paid it all for us. You see, God tells us there is a penalty for our sin. The wages of our sin is death. And death isn't just dying and going to the grave, and that's it. Death is separation from God in a place called the lake of fire forever and ever. 
But God doesn't want that. He doesn't want to leave us there. But God, Romans 5, 8, but God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. You must believe in Jesus Christ. And more specifically, you must believe the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Listen, it's there in 1 Corinthians 15. It tells us that's how we're saved. How that Christ died for our sins according to the scripture and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scripture. You must believe the resurrection. I've talked with people. I've knocked on people's door and I've told them about Jesus and they said, yeah, I believe in Jesus. He was a good man. He was a good prophet. He died, but he didn't raise again. He wasn't, you know, he died and that was it. Well, friend, you cannot be saved until you believe that he rose again from the dead. He rose for you and for me so that we could be saved. Romans 1.16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Listen, you're here tonight. Have you been born again? Take me to the time. Take me to a place. For me, I was 38 years old. Can you take me to a place, a time in your life when you said, yes, I saw myself as a sinner on my way to hell, but I turned to Jesus Christ and asked him to save me. Can you take me to that place? Have you been born again? Dear friend, 2023 is going out. 2024 is coming in. We do not know how much time we have left. Have you been born again? So, when we lived in Alabama, my wife and I did the nursing home ministry for the last probably two or three years, and we really enjoyed the nursing home. We have a, a burden for that, and uh, I would preach, and we would do songs, and just kind of like how you do it here with the, the church service, and, and I just want to introduce you tonight to my, my man, Frank. I miss Frank. Frank was a, a hard man. He was a he had a Church of Christ background, and when I met Frank, he, uh, he wouldn't come to the service, but I kept on him, and he would poke fun at me, and he'd kind of make jokes at me about preaching and, and the Bible and stuff, but one day I finally got him to come. He came, and afterwards he came up to me, and he said, I really enjoyed that. I think I'll come back. I was like, well, amen. So I began to uh, talk with Frank about his salvation, and and we would talk each time we would go there. And he would never give me anything other than I'm working on it. I hope so. But he became the most faithful person in our service. He was there before we got there every week. And he was the last one to leave every week. And I would talk to him. He would hear the gospel every Sunday that we were there. But Frank just wouldn't let me talk to him about anything further than, do you know you're going to heaven? I'm, I hope so. Well, one day, just like any other Sunday, uh, I preached, 
And then afterwards, he sat over here. And I got done and prayed, and Frank just ran up to me real fast. And I was like, whoa. You know, if you've been in the nursing home, you don't know what they're going to say, and you don't know what they're going to do. So that was way out of context for him there. So I'm like, what, what, Frank, are you okay? And so at that point, the Holy Spirit kind of took over, and I just said, Frank, you know you're going to heaven when you die. Because he had this look on his face, unlike any other look any other time. And he says, no, I do not know if I would die today that I would go to heaven. And I, my Bible's still open, and I said, well, Frank, you can know. Can I show you? And we started going through the verses. He's like, yes, I believe. Yes, I believe. I'm like, well, Frank, why don't you just call on the Lord to save you? He goes, yes, I want to call on the Lord to save me. And I said, well, amen. And, and he, he bowed his head and prayed and said, Jesus, save me. And we, we, were, so, we were rejoicing and happy. And, and we left there. We were rejoicing. Frank got saved. And would you believe that was the last time I saw Frank? Would you believe that? Tuesday, Frank had a heart attack, a stroke, and his heart stopped. His heart stopped, and he went out into eternity. That was the last message that he heard, no doubt. That was his last opportunity. Dear friend, you here tonight, if that old heart stops a ticking, we go off into eternity. Where are you going to spend eternity? You're at a crossroad, just as Judah was. You got to make the decision. The time has come for the decision. What are you going to do? Jesus says, you must be born again. And let me give you one more here. Let me give you one more. When I'm talking about the old past, talking about the King James Bible, talking about the blood of Jesus Christ, I'm talking about being born again, and I'm talking about the blessed hope. The blessed hope. Titus 2.13 looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus is coming back. He is coming back. Are you going? The blessed hope and the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ is not two different things. It is our hope. The appearing of Jesus Christ is our hope. The fact that He is coming back is our hope, and we need to be looking for Christ not the Antichrist. We need to be looking for Jesus Christ. Paul expected it in his lifetime. Paul thought Jesus was coming back in his lifetime, and we're 2,000 years down the road. Jesus could come back tonight. Jesus could come back this very next moment. The blessed hope. If we could turn over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. i got two verses for you, and then we'll close this. This is how it's all going to come down. The rapture. First Thessalonians 4, verses 16 and 17. <clears throat> For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. The Lord is going to descend from heaven, but he's not coming all the way back to the earth yet, and he's going to shout. Kind of reminds me of when he raised Lazarus from the dead. A shout. Right? For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. With the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Hey, all those that have been born again, that died, their bodies went to the ground. 
Their soul, their spirit went to be with the Lord. The Bible says that on this day, those graves are going to open up. That's our blessed hope. Those bodies of those that have been saved and born again, they're coming out of the grave. I'm thinking about all these graveyards with caskets open. I'm thinking about all the battlefields. I'm thinking about all the the, the deserts all across the world where there's a a born-again person that had died. They're coming out of the grave. How can that be? That's our blessed hope, though. It's our blessed hope. Verse 17 says, Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up. Oh, this gets even better. This gets even better. If Jesus comes back today or while we're alive, he says, Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up. Hey, we're getting out of here. We're going up. We're getting out of here. Hey, we don't have to worry. We, we don't have to worry about dying. We miss death. We escape it. We're going poof. Right? We're going out of here. No more disease, no more sickness, no more ailments, no more dealing with pride and and stressors of life. We're getting out of here. And the Bible says that we're going to be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Blessed hope. That is our blessed hope. We'll have a resurrected body. We'll rule and reign with Christ. That is our blessed hope. But all across the country again today, it seems like churches don't preach on this much anymore, do they? We've kind of lost hope. Why? Jesus is still on the throne. We're still on the winning side. Our blessed hope, Jesus is coming back and I'm going out of here. Are you? Have you been born again? Have you been born again? As I conclude here today, we're talking about the old past. The old past. God had warned the people of Judah that they were at a crossroad. All they had to do was repent, turn back to Christ. Judgment would have been halted. A lost person. You are at a crossroad today. Will you repent? Will you turn to Jesus Christ for salvation? Will you be saved? Will you get born again today? Don't wait. Christian, how are you living in light of Jesus' return? Is there some things we need to get right today? Are you reading your Bible? Do we need to humble ourselves? Lose some pride? Do we need to ditch some of the music we listen to? Some of the friends that we hang around with? Hey, Jesus Christ is coming back. Are you ready? Are we ready? I'm ready. Let's go ahead and we'll close in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we do love you. Thank you again for this time. I thank you for this, for this opportunity to preach your word, Lord. But now, Lord, I just ask that, that you would just deal with our hearts right now, Lord. You know everyone here today, and I don't know their hearts, but you do. Maybe there's someone here today that's never been born again. Maybe someone over the, the Internet that's never trusted you as their Savior.